I had a much longer sermon for today. You can be thankful I felt the Lord redirecting that last night. You'll get that one later. For today, though, the, it's a, a, something Sarah mentioned to me just in passing a, a few days ago, and it's been, I don't know if ruminating is the right word, but it's going over in my, in my mind over the last few days. And I'm titling it, The Character of True Wisdom. The Character of True Wisdom. And we're going to turn to the book of James, and we'll read a few verses here where James talks on this topic. In James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. James 3, 13 through 18. Out of the English Standard Version, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not, be, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic or devilish. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray as we look at the word of God. Father, we just pray that you would anoint your word, Lord. These are words that you gave through James here and given them to us, Father. And I pray that you would help us to learn from them and to apply them to our lives. And we just thank you for your word. Amen. You know, we all at various times in our lives face something where we could use a little wisdom. How many of you have ever needed a little wisdom before? Okay. Lots of us, right? All of us, if we're honest, because we're faced with something that we're not sure what to do. And wisdom is knowing what the right thing to do is, the ability to know how to make that right decision. And honestly, in life, the more turbulent that things get, the more pressing they are, the more difficult they are. Like some of the things that Pastor Justin was sharing, you know, those are difficult times. And the more difficult something is, the more desperately that we need the right answer, that we need the wisdom to know what to do. And so James here is showing us, in, in some ways, whether wisdom is good or not. It's showing us what is true wisdom that comes from the Lord. And it's seen in the character that results from it. It's interesting. It's not just seen in the right answer, it's seen in the character that it brings. This is right after James chapter, so this isn't James chapter 3, but when I think of James chapter 3, it's always verse 2 that pops into my head, and that's the tongue. James talks quite a bit about the tongue and the ability to control the tongue. And then he goes right from there, right into this section where he's talking about discerning character uh, and specifically looking at whether wisdom comes from the Lord or whether it doesn't. So James is giving keys to discernment based on our words and based on our character. And, and I'm going to say this, I don't think James specifically said it in here, but this is mostly to apply to our own lives because I think we're pretty good at applying it to other people already. But we can look at these things and go, what is the result of what is going on in my life? How is my tongue and the things that are coming out of my mouth? 
and how is my character and the fruit of my life? And these things are very practical ways to discern the work of God and what's going on in our hearts. Now, it can also be the other way, and we're going to see, you know, that, that as we look at this a bit, that it's also for looking and discerning what is going on and counsel we're receiving or those sorts of things, whether that is from the Lord or not. Um, but I say mostly it's for applying it to our own heart. But let's look at that other area first. So we look at those people who have godly character for wisdom in how to live, right? We look at godly examples. God gives us godly people around us that we can learn from their lives. And their words of wisdom will match their lifestyle and their conduct. So that's what James says in James 3.13. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So look at the conduct and it should exemplify the words. It should illustrate the words that are spoken. You know, Jesus was very clear on this as well. When he was talking to people, he said, you know, you, you can tell somebody by their fruits. This is Matthew chapter seven. We don't have time to turn there and read, but he's telling those who are listening, like, look, don't just listen to the words because words can sound great, but look at the life, look at the fruits. And you can tell, you can tell your own heart by your fruits, you can tell somebody else by their fruit as well. So if you want to know if the way you are deciding to walk, whether the choices you are making in your Christian life are correct, look at the fruits, look at the character, and look at the words. I was thinking through some examples this morning. I apologize to uh, to Sister Lois because I got my computer out several times while she was doing Sunday school. And it's because while she was talking, I was uh, thinking of thoughts for, or preparing for this one, but I was listening. It was very good, thank you. But you know, as she was sharing, I was thinking of Solomon. And uh, Solomon had a lot of wisdom, didn't he? Tremendous amount of wisdom, probably more than, than anybody ever. And it came from God, right? That's very clear. God gave him the wisdom that he had. And yet as his life went along, he no longer had the character to match the wisdom that he once had. And I say the wisdom he once had because you read through some of the book of, book of Ecclesiastes and you can see wisdom in there and you can see other things that are like, that doesn't sound so wise anymore. <laughs> you know, sounds like a lot of um, words. Um, but anyways, as Solomon went along in his life, you could see what was going on in his life based on his character. And he lost the character when he stopped walking in the wisdom. When he had the wisdom from God and he was walking in it, it changed him. But when he stopped walking in it, he went the wrong way and his heart was changed. I know somebody, one of the, I would say one of the wiser people that I have known in my life um, had a lot of godly insight into things. It's nobody here, nobody that most of you know, but he had a lot of godly insight into things and a special relationship with the Lord, very careful in his walk with the Lord. But I remember him telling one story. He said, you know, when I was younger, I would get so angry, you know, working on the job site that I would pick up a hammer and I would whip it at a wall because I'd get so upset. And he said, you know, God transformed my life. And you, I could see it probably you know, 30, 40 years later after those stories of how he'd been in his younger days, of how as he walked in the wisdom of God for his life, he was changed. 
his character was transformed. He was, I never knew him as, as the hammer throwing person. I'm very thankful for that. I, I knew him as the one who was just patient and kind and calm and exemplified, I would say, very much the character of God. I'm sure he was not perfect, but he's one of the, one of the wisest people I know and with a great character. So the goal of true wisdom is to have the right answer, yes, and beyond that, to have the character of the one who gives us the right answer. It's to have the character of God worked out in our life. And as we're walking in the counsel that the Lord gives to us, it should be transforming us to be more like him. And this is what James is, is saying. Look at the evidence and see if the transformation is good and if it's not, then something's out of place. So the character is the evidence of the quality of wisdom. Character and wisdom go hand in hand all the time. The wiser you become, the more you grow in, in character. The more you grow in character, the wiser you become. They work continually with each other. So James chapter 3, verse 17. This is our theme verse for today. There's... Um, Seven things or eight, depending on how you look at it. But we're going to go through and we're going to look at each of these. As James says, these are represent, re representative of true wisdom that comes from the Lord. So he says in James chapter 3, verse 17, let's just read this one verse and then we'll look at the points. The wisdom from above is first, first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason or easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, and sincere or without hypocrisy. So let's briefly look at these. True wisdom or the result of having true wisdom is purity. The wisdom that comes from above is pure. When you look that up, it means clean and innocent. Two things, clean and innocent. And at first when I was thinking of this, I thought these are the, the same thing. But as I began to ponder it uh, last night, I realized it has two different meanings, two different things that it's saying here in purity. One is innocent. Innocent means somebody who's not guilty, right? Somebody's innocent, they're not guilty. I heard an accusation against somebody recently that was totally not true. They could stand there in innocence and go, not me, did not do it. And the people who heard it knew it, right? And you can generally tell when an accusation comes and you can tell whether it's right or whether it's wrong. Uh, Sarah was telling me, uh, she called it a meme. I don't know if that's the right word, a quote, something that she saw. I said, live in such a way that if someone speaks badly of you, nobody will believe that it's true. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody will believe that it's true or won't believe that it's true because you know, some people are slanderous, but live in such a way. Live that they will not think that it's true or most people won't anyways. We were in our little devotions around our table this morning, we were reading about Joseph. We're going through in the book of Genesis right now and we're reading some of the accounts of Joseph. And we read with Joseph and with uh, Potiphar's wife and all the things that Joseph went through, but he was accused and whether the people at his time thought it true or not, the Bible's very clear and we know it was false. He stood in innocence, although he was accused. 
Job was accused by Satan. Job said, Lord, if you would just take all these things away, he's going to curse you. And Job stood there in innocence. It was a wrong accusation. So innocence is not guilty. It doesn't mean the accusation doesn't come. But it means that if it does, that it's innocent. So true wisdom will lead somebody to live a life above reproach, to live a life that is innocent. And even if they're accused, they're innocent. So that's one side of this purity. The other side is clean. Now in our life, lives, the only time something is clean and is when it's like perfectly brand new, right? How many of you have ever taken one of those at-home COVID tests? Okay, you want to admit it? All right, number of hands, okay. When you opened the box, was it clean? Oh, it better have been sterilized and inside that nice wrapper so that no outside element got to it. Once you used it, was it clean? No. I don't want to touch your test, thank you very much. Right, and you don't want mine. And that's the way it is with things in life. We get something, we go to the store, we buy it for our kitchen or for our clothing or whatever, and it's clean. But it very quickly becomes unclean. And it needs to be cleaned. Not the COVID test, that got thrown out. But the clothes go in the wash, the dishes go in the sink or the dishwasher, and, and you get the point, right? Something that is clean has been purified at any point that it became dirty. Two different thoughts here, innocent, totally not guilty, clean, willing to be purified, willing to be purified. And so someone living in God's wisdom is going to be constantly cleaned. They're willing to confess and repent of, of wrongdoing. Something is revealed in their life, it comes out, something they weren't aware of perhaps, or, or an attitude, whatever it is, it comes out and they're willing to make it right. That's the thought of clean for purity. They're willing to apologize and to make it right. So the opposite of this is somebody, when something comes out that's true and they just, they refuse to apologize, they refuse to make things right, they're stubborn in their ways and they're like, you know, no. That's the opposite of, of the thought here for clean. So true wisdom, we've got to carry on, but it is pure. It's both not uh, not guilty, it is innocent, but also when things come out and the Lord's working in the, in the heart, the care, in our character, we're willing to make it right when we find things that are wrong. The result of true wisdom next is peaceable. If you look up this word, it has uh, one definition, I believe it was one, might have had one other one, but one main one here in Strong's, and the word is Pacific, like the ocean, Pacific. That would be where we get the word, Audrey with baby Micah, pacifier, right? Those things come in handy sometimes. Walking in true wisdom will result in a more peaceable attitude toward others and perhaps even a more peaceable attitude toward life in general. So if we find ourselves getting more irritated and more worked up and more upset or we're working with other people and we're just getting more and more, you know, hard towards them, then it's a sign that true, God's true wisdom is not at work in our life. That's whatever way we're heading is not correct. As we're walking in the Lord's ways, we should become more peaceable, more like able to 
put the pacifier in the situation to calm it down than to, as I say to my children sometimes, are you using water or gasoline in your situation? And they're like, gasoline, dad. Because when you dump that on a situation, it blows up. So which one are we doing? It means we actively pursue peaceful resolutions with others, like Romans 12, 18. As much as lies in you, if possible, you know, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with everybody, as much as you can do. The next result of true wisdom is gentleness. True wisdom results in gentleness, which means appropriate or mild or in moderation. Someone who is gentle handles situations appropriately with mild manners or with gentleness. They have moderation, meaning they're balanced, they're controlled, they're not quick to anger, they don't fly off the handle like that. You can often see gentleness, the gentleness of people, in the way they treat an animal. You can often tell how gentle a person is by how they respond to a, a creature that is around them. Hmm. And Jesus said this in Matthew 11, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So being gentle is more peaceful and more restful for our soul. If we have gentleness worked out in us, our soul is more at rest. That's what Jesus is saying here. Take my yoke, learn from me. I am gentle. I am lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. The result of true wisdom, the next one, is easy to be entreated. Not a word we really use anymore. But it means more like approachable. Easy to be approached. So it's easy to talk to and make a request of. Children know if their parents are easy to be entreated. Employees know if their bosses are easy to be entreated. And I think it's fair to say for everybody sitting here, somebody in your life knows whether you are easy to be entreated or not. And you know whether I am or not. You don't have to say that out loud right now. <laughs> but true wisdom means we become more easy to be entreated. People are able to approach us and not be fearful of approaching us to talk about whatever you know, is on their heart, whatever they're going through. We are easy to be approached. I've been around some others in the past where I had to watch and wait till I knew it was a good time. And it wasn't a one-time thing. It was a continual thing. Wait, wait, now is a good time. Now there's wisdom in that at any point, depending on what somebody's going through. But we don't want to be somebody that always has to be watched until we're in a good enough mood that somebody can come talk to us. We need to be easy to be entreated all the time. I have Saul for an example here in the Bible, King Saul. And this is 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 31 to 33. This is Saul talking to his own son, Jonathan. 1 Samuel 20, 31 through 33. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on earth, neither you nor the kingdom shall be established. Therefore, send and bring him to me, 
for he shall surely die. Then Jonathan answered Saul, his father, why should he be put to death? What has he done? These are honest probing questions to his dad. What, what is the accusation against him? And Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him. I mean, so look back at the, at the verse, first verse that we read. Jonathan, if this guy lives, you're never going to be the king. And so Jonathan's like, why? What's he done? And Saul's like, throws his spear at his son. Did Saul really want his son to be the king? Or was he just not really an approachable person? Was angry and upset. So the question for us is, how approachable am I? What is, is godly wisdom at work in my life? And therefore, am I an approachable person? The next one here, the next result of true wisdom is to be full of mercy. Full of mercy. We would get the word merciful from this. And it means simply compassion. It especially refers to, in the definition, active human or divine compassion. It is an active. It's not just a passive, you know, wait. It's an active, like, I'm going to actively pursue this area of being merciful and compassionate. And it means that when you have a choice to do otherwise, you actively pursue the opposite, to pursue compassion. You know, it's the character of God, isn't it? It's the character that he showed to us. This is what it says in Ephesians 2, 3 through 5. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, or people who did wrong. Because of the great, I'm sorry, children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. God is the perfect example of what it means to be full of mercy. Because we've all been shown that mercy by God when we did not deserve it. And he calls us to be the same. So if we're walking God's wisdom, we'll become, be becoming more like him, be becoming more compassionate and more forgiving of others. Moving on. The next one, the result of true wisdom is to be full of good fruits. Here in James 3.17, to be full of good fruits. Literally means full of fruit that benefits. Beneficial fruit. The purpose of natural fruit is for our benefit or to make more fruit. And either of those, I think, are probably for our benefit. Fruit is enjoyable to eat. So fruit that benefits means it produces more fruit like it in the lives of ourselves and of others. And it also means it's for the enjoyment of the people that we're around, full of good fruits. And it means that there's a lot of it. We have one tree in our orchard. We've got 15 trees. There's one tree this year. It's, it's got, I would say, loaded with apples considering the tree's only three years old. It's got a bunch of apples on it. The rest of the trees, maybe one apple. So I look at the trees and I go, this one is full of good fruits, right? It's got a lot of fruits and it's evident. And uh, that is the way that our life should be. So when someone's life is full of fruit that benefits, it's clear and it's evident to other people. 
So when you talk with somebody who's full of good fruits, you know it because your life is benefited by it. It's clear in evidence. The next one, the result of true wisdom is impartiality. Impartiality. And again, here we have the thought of active is in this passage. Actively impartial and undistinguished. And I think it's, meant, it's specifically mentioned as active because this is something we can't be passive at because it's so easy to do. It is easy to show favoritism, whether in family or in church or in work or in school, in life in general, it is easy to show favoritism and it takes purposeful, active diligence to avoid being partial. So true wisdom teaches us that we must do and say what is right, even if it involves somebody close to us. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. 1 Timothy 5, 16 through 21. This is Paul giving Timothy some advice as he's leading, uh, leading the people under him. He says, If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except, an evident, except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging or prejudice, doing nothing from partiality. So Paul gives Timothy a list of things here in, in the church, in handling of widows, in handling of uh, people who are in ministry, in handling charges or evidence against, and a number of things. And he says, in all of these things, you must be impartial. The reason he says this is because it's easy to be partial in any of these areas. It's easy to show favoritism to one over another based on your relationship with them. And Paul tells Timothy, look, as a minister, you've got to be impartial here. And the result of true wisdom is impartiality. Last one in James 3.17, the result of true wisdom is sincerity. Sincerity. It means unfeigned. Or in the King James, it says, uh, without hypocrisy. Basically, in our modern terms, we would say, well, that person's real or, or wow, they're a, they're a fake. Right? That would be our modern way of saying it. In, in the, their way, it was unfeigned or be a, a sincere person. When you feign something, you are totally faking it. I was thinking of uh, Rachel in the Old Testament. You know, she feigned an ability to get off, in, inability to get off her camel and told her dad, look, I'm just not feeling well. And it wasn't the truth. She was hiding things that she had stolen from him and she didn't want it to be honest about it. So she feigned or made up a story to cover the truth could say somebody feigned to be ill. I, that person called into work. They always take Fridays off. They always call into their job. They're faking it, right? So we know that. 
This is so, but true wisdom that comes from above leads us to build a character that is not that. It doesn't, it's not a fake. It is real. It is sincere. It is without hypocrisy. True wisdom doesn't lead to cover-ups, to made-up stories, to reasons given for things that aren't the real reason, and so on. It doesn't lead to being one person in church and somebody totally different to the world the rest of the week. True wisdom is not insincere. It is open, it is honest, and it is truthful. So the goal in conclusion of our brief message today of true wisdom is to have the right answer, but beyond that and beyond that, to have the character of God worked into us, the God who has that wisdom, the God who has the right answer. True wisdom that comes from God is pure, it is peaceable, it is gentle, it is approachable, it is full of mercy, it is full of good fruits, it is without partiality, it is sincere and without hypocrisy. And so we look at our own life and say, is this being formed in my life? Am I becoming this way in my walk with the Lord? And if I'm not, what adjustments do I need to make in my walk with the Lord? Again, James' main point would be for us to look at our life and our walk with him. What choices am I making? Are they correct? What is the fruit of my life? So as we close today, we'll close in prayer and ask the Lord to work this character out in us that we would have his true wisdom in our life. Lord, thank you for the wisdom that you've given us here in your word and, and the balance here that we see, Lord, that wisdom's not just always having the right answer, but true wisdom is really seen in the character that has worked in our hearts through walking out that answer. And so, Lord, we pray that we would have your true wisdom, Lord, that, and, and a heart that is soft to allow you to work in our lives and in our hearts, that we would be transformed to be like you, Lord, that we would be transformed to have each of these areas in us, Lord, that we would have purity worked out in us, that we would be peaceable and gentle people who can be approached and that we would side or err on the side of mercy and forgiveness as pastor bailey used to say lord that we would be full of good fruits and without partiality and without hypocrisy lord and just let these things be worked in our lives lord and help us to walk in your ways and form us we pray in your name amen